Hi, everyone. This is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome back. Um, this week I'm talking to Jordan McNamara. Uh, he's from UTH Ptui, right? Uh, we don't we don't we don't uh, really follow the UTH philosophy around here, but um, we do respect the people, especially Jordan. He's written a couple of books called The Dynasty, uh, The Analytics of Dynasty One and Two, 2019-2020, is actually I think what he's calling them. Um, really enjoyed my conversation with him. Uh, we broke into running backs again, like we were talking about with Tom last week. I'm kind of getting sick of admitting that my conversations run for two hours and constantly releasing part one, part two, part three. So I really cut this one down in just to one single um, episode. This is a 30-minute episode of me talking with Jordan about running backs, particularly talking about sophomore running backs. Um, Jordan admits... I say admits just to make it controversial, even though it's not. He talks about the value of running backs, and we also go into talking about how wide receivers who hit in the NFL are, should actually be um, our targets and more valuable than maybe rookies. So, you know, I, I think I converted. I'm going to pretend I converted a UTH member into uh, into veteran wide receiver man. Um, so feeling pretty proud of myself for it. Um, I really enjoyed my conversation with Jordan. Very smart guy. And um, a joy to talk to. I hope you enjoy it as well. Um, this is the episode about Jordan McNamara. I do have a lot of other content, and I asked him about some players that I'm particularly interested in what his thoughts on were, so I can drop some mini-episodes here and there to try and help out fill the content void where we'll have extra time at home a little bit right now. Um, so I'll try to do that this week. But this is the Jordan McNamara episode, um, self-contained, complete, and a regular Dynasty Crossroads 30-minute episode. So pretty proud of that. You know, been a while. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to us, and uh, I will talk to you again next week. Thanks very much. Bye. Hopefully, we'll get to an interesting conversation. Yep. But um, which is, if we don't, it's my fault, not yours. Just to be clear. <laughs> but um, I don't know uh, where where do we want to start off? You don't have a favorite prospect. You're way too good at analytics to have things like favorites. That's what I'm getting from you. Um, you like Jonathan Taylor? That's great. Um, I do have questions, but running backs, like running back at this stage, don't you think analytics with running back at, at like pre-draft? It's mostly like I have a hard time with it. I've got to dig into the position again. Like I said that last off season, and I'm gonna to have to do it again next off season because we're already. It's weird creating content because the off season ends way too soon. Like you're just starting to get going on some new research, and already you have to put out ranks and worry about projections. Like I'm, I'm being asked to do projections already for 2020. I'm like, oh, man, I thought I had another week or two. But anyway, um, but the more I look uh, at running back numbers and try to run them through things that will help me give a better idea of who's good and who's not good. And we know with the NFL that's difficult anyway because so much is about opportunity. 
um, that it's really difficult. Even if the NFL wasn't about opportunity, I think it'd be really difficult to take running back college stats and define or describe or find anything that told you who has more elite traits or ability. Maybe that's a better word since we're analysts uh, and not, you know, those dirty tape grinders. And do you get that feeling? at all like running back numbers are just too difficult as prospects like i'm honestly interested in that because i struggle with it yeah and honestly like i don't i don't do a ton of uh, I, i've tried like to do some modeling and stuff on on running backs and i've i tried on i dove in on quarterbacks for a little while and i just like i can't i gave up i gave I up can't. on quarterbacks so quick <laughs> nope. and, and honestly like if 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 someone was going to figure it out like it wouldn't be me. Like it would have been uh, someone for the NFL, or it would have been, you know. So I, I look at just some general things to give me give me an idea. But draft pedigree is such a big deal. I mean, it's such a big deal across all positions. Um, and so I, I really look at I look at that. Um, you know, I, I weight is a big deal to me. Uh, you know, where what age a player. Uh, was productive at. Um, I think there's some value in knowing what the recruiting score of a player is coming in to college. I think there's some value in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I like to try and, you know, when Bill Parcell says that there's a prototype, I mean, my research has really suggested that, right? Like you, you know, 216 is the average of a top, of a top uh, 24 running back dating back uh, about 12 years now, you know? And so do you want players in that range? You don't want to take guys that are too small, for example. So, you know, I, those are some of the things that I look at. And then I think I, yeah, I think you have to be in a rookie draft setting. I think you have to be really, really cautious on um, your arbitrage opportunities um, or I guess the reverse of arbitrage opportunities where you get guys like, for example, Alexander Madison and Daryl Henderson who are, um, or even um, Devin Singletary or Damian Harris for that matter, like clump those guys together. They were all round three running backs last year. And you had this weird spread where you, there was a, a, a some drafts that ballooned to as much as a round and a half of difference between Daryl Henderson and Alexander Madison. And from a historical probability perspective and draft pedigree, like that's insane. Like you can't do that in terms of drafting a running back that high um, when the spread is a round and a half and a guy that's, that's in the same round as him, like that, that is a reach. Um, and so I, I looked a lot to it. You know, I thought last year was a fascinating rookie draft from a uh, what to do and what not to do perspective. Uh, and so for like, for me, I, I dove in and I wrote about it in my book and I said, let's, I think there's a lot here. And so I looked at the, 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 basically the historical draft pedigree of like ADP and sort of looked in and I, I analyzed it really through that lens of like, who was a reach? Um, and what you'll notice is like the first round wasn't particularly good in terms of, I think there was, you know, there was less than 10 guys that could qualify as being historically above average first round uh, picks and and rookie drafts, but there was like twenty of them in round two, and so you sort of take that spread and you say, okay, well, don't. Uh, the key is don't overpay, right? The the key is don't make the value mistake. And I think that's what it was last year, but this year I think, uh, you know, I think I think don't make the mistake in terms of players that haven't broken out would be a good would be the would be my advice in terms of how this year it's it's fishing with dynamite is more how I think about it in terms of the class. 
Yeah, we're just all slowly becoming Jacob Rickroad, and it's pretty awesome. Now, um, <laughs> it's it, it's we, we're trying to fight against it, but it doesn't work. Um, now, I think your comments about 2019 are interesting, so I get really frustrated with 2019. One, it was a bad year for me. It's going to be my biggest miss year, it seems like, but um, that's not why. It's because... Well, you know how we do. We, we tilt based on what recently happened. So this year, everyone wants to adjust everything from anyone that comes from a Power 5 school, because if we'd done that last year, we would have been so much higher on the players who actually did well in their first year, as opposed to continue to take the longer view of the players that didn't do well in 2019. But those longer view stats look good for like Nikhil Harry and JJ Sega Whiteside and Andy Isabella. They look good from that broader view. But if we just overweighted Power 5 schools last year, like um, AJ Brown, even Terry McLaurin would have risen up for us. Um, and so it feels to me, and maybe I'm being a little unfair, but a lot of the analysis I'm hearing for this rookie draft class is definitely trying to make not make the mistake of 2019. Whereas to me, that's a broader mistake that's pivoting way too hard based on what happened last year. Do you get any sense of that from this year's class? Like everyone wants to overweight school? and conference and adjust for it well i think the i mean the recency bias thing is always that's always something we have to fight against and one of the things i found was like if you just look at if you take adp and compare it against last year's rankings in terms of how players finished in terms of season-long finish it explains 50 percent of adp right. right and so and that you know, and so I see guys like Chris Godwin. I wasn't, I'm in a draft right now that's going on right now. Chris Godwin went wide receiver one. Like that, that's like that is recency bias, right? I mean, that is right. that is what it is. Um, you know, how I, I you know, and so I, I think that happens all the time. And so I would I'm much more on the the perspective of I think there's value sort of rejecting that premise, right? Rejecting, hey, everyone's going to overreact to last year. All right, well, what can we do this year that is different than that, you know, that has, has historically been true, right? And so is, it, is this year going to be, hey, we're going to over, you know, we're going to, um, we're not going to worry about breakouts as much or those sorts of things. I mean, that, you know, uh, you know, McLaurin wasn't a, you know, this or that, you know, like trying to fit this year into last year's perspective. Um, I, I, let's just reject that and do what's historically been true. That's typically the way I sort of, I sort of do that. No, it's a great way of looking at it. Um, and where you've written two books now on the dynasty analytics, you were probably the most interesting person from an analytics perspective to ask this about now. And it's, what can tell you what to do this year, if that makes sense, given you a premise that we're looking for what we can do differently that wasn't true last year or, you know, adjusting for recency bias for next year. Me and um, Tom Kissingberry recorded the other day for an episode I've got coming out. And we had we tried to go through running backs and I think we did an OK job, but looking for that player that we can't we're not expecting necessarily to do well who might do well is difficult. It's like, it's too hard just to be contrary for the sake of being contrary, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Um, and what we came to was like last year, we had an injured player who we knew was good, but he was coming in with uncertainty around his health in Dalvin Cook. Um, but we never really suspected he wasn't good. And, the, and there's no one from, and that was 
there's no one really from last year's class that we can expect as a sophomore running back to exponentially explode like Dalvin Cook did. Not because there was no one injured, just because the numbers they put up don't particularly project a high, higher ceiling for them than we've already seen. Running backs, we tend to know who they are a lot earlier in their career. And so personally, I judge them pretty harshly based off their first year. And I don't see many top 12 black running backs um, coming out of the 2019 draft class. But there is someone like Ethan Turner has been describing um, Darius Geis' injury as positive based on the way they've been treating it, for example. Um, he's a PT and a, he has a doctorate as well. And so he's someone who largely profiles or prospects perhaps through uh, injury data. And it was really interesting to hear that because he's slightly unusual. He's not a sophomore running back. He's not a What's he going into now? His third year or his fourth year? Yeah, year three. Year three. Year three, which is kind of late for a running back, but it is an unusual situation. I've never been high on, too high on guys. One, he dropped in the draft, and we were just talking about how important that is. And two, he didn't have a great receiving profile in college, but he does fit that kind of, you can't expect it, but slightly unusual. So maybe that's the guy we're looking for this year. Otherwise, we're just, like you were saying, talking about the backup running backs in each team and guessing which one's going to get the role. Is there anything in the dynasty analytics that can help try to counter recency bias and look for the the running back you want next year a little bit earlier than everyone else? Yeah. So one of the things that I really wanted to uh, look at was uh, in the first. So I, this is my second book, the the 2020 edition of the analytics of dynasty is my second one. I wrote a 2019 edition, and in the 2019 edition, I. I looked a lot at like hit rates and sort of what your average production would be and sort of your your odds of hitting based on a number of different factors. I looked at it for like startup drafts and and rookie drafts and uh, and pedigree and all of those things. And it missed a critical question to me, which was uh, essentially like, what do you do with a player? Um, as they sort of go along, right? Because if a player comes into the NFL and their pedigree would suggest, hey, they're a you know, 55% hit rate based on the fact that they're a round two running back, well, how much does that decay over time? And so I, I really wanted to capture that. And so one of the things I looked at was <clears throat> base rates. Just tell me two things. Tell me what's the, well, three things, I guess. Position, uh, their pedigree, in terms of what round in the NFL draft they went and how many years they've been in the league. Uh, and so, and there's a variety of different things that you can, that you can, that can get a player to a specific spot. For example, like uh, Darius Geis has been hurt, right? Carry on Johnson in the same class, there's three of these guys and they represent a, I think a, a fascinating uh, look at players, Darius Geis, carry on Johnson, Ronald Jones, all, all, round two running backs going into year three who have not hit for a top 24 season, which is what I use to measure a hit, a seasonal finish. Um, and so historically, those guys that have missed the first two years as round two running backs, uh, they hit 28% of the time. So when you think about that, like, okay. And so I, you know, I, I sort of think about that and say, all right, you can't be too overconfident, um, but there's reasons to knock them. There's reasons to think higher. I think, interestingly, Ronald Jones is the is the cheapest of those. And according to, you know, the the most recent DLF ADP is is going significantly after the two of them. Uh, and Geis and Johnson are going pretty close together. Yeah. And so 
you know, I, I sort of look at those things. I think those are interesting. And what I have done is I've taken the, the historical uh, ADP of players uh, and sort of tried to figure out, hey, what, you know, what does it mean for a player to be around six pick? Like if you're around six pick, how often do round six picks hit? And so I sort of combined what I have what I have done to sort of look at capture basically the fundamentals. Plus, I think the market is smart uh, to a large degree. Uh, it gets some stuff wrong, but I think knowing what the market value is, there's uh, efficiency there that's important to capture. Uh, and so you, when you combine the two, it sort of gives you an idea of, hey, the market's higher on the player than the fundamentals would suggest. Uh, and, and sort of where am I on that, that spectrum? Uh, and so that's one of the things that I've looked at to try and avoid. And I, that gets you out of the narrative too, right? Like if you have a single place to start from, uh, that'll sort of say, okay. And then I think, hey, I think hot, more highly of a player. I think more, I think the player isn't nearly that good. You have a, you have a range to move from, but it gives you a starting point that I think is grounded in some sort of concreteness or some sort of fact that gives us a place to move from. Because Honestly, the most disorienting thing for for as a dynasty player, even before I was writing books or doing podcasts or my patron channel, was the if you're listening to content, it can be totally disorienting. I mean, if you're if you're just if you hey, I'm going to listen to every podcast and see what that like that will make your brain explode because everyone's you, 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 there's no everyone has a take, everyone has a different opinion, everyone's emphasizing a different thing. I said, let's just let's just get uh, to a base number, a base rate. And so I looked at it for all of the positions. So I think that's a, a, a really good place to start for on players, um, whether they're coming into the NFL or whether they're, they've been in the NFL and haven't hit. And if they have hit, I have something called density, uh, which, which basically measures once you hit, how dense is your hit? Um, and sort of what have the priors on that, what have they done? Um, and that's really that's that's really to get at the Kenny Galladay question. For me, Kenny Galladay was uh, uh, was an overhyped prospect coming in. Uh, in terms of I wasn't that high on him, then he hit. I think you have to think about him differently, um, and sort of that that was meant to aim to capture that. So it gives you a range of outcomes on a player like him, sort of to think because now now he belongs in a different universe because he's on the right side of of hitting. So I sort of look at combine those two. It gives me a, a basic idea of where I'm starting, and I I you know tend to regress towards that and capture some of the market data and and try to think within ranges of outcomes of what I think think about players. Yeah, an age adjusted market share could help you. Again, Galladay just going to throw that out there. Um, but, <laughs> but outside of that, <laughs> which is also a player you lose if you adjust for conference too hardly uh, or for 2019, by the way. Um, no, I, I agree with you looking at it broadly and the fact that everyone has a podcast. <laughs> and so there's way too much content. And I understand why people just enjoy shows and podcasts where they just literally tell you names to aim for because it's so much easier to consume than trying to develop a broad scale theory on what to right. do in dynamic. Like, okay, dude, just tell me who to draft, you know? Right. right, right. Point. But um, yeah, I went about it slightly differently as we all do, I think, but um, with DLF ADP, which again is based off five mock drafts, but they're typically fairly good drafters, people that sign up for Ryan McDowell's drafts. And it's a consistent measure of ADP, which is a lot easier than scraping NMFL data and removing all the leagues aren't leagues that you want and all that kind of stuff. But I looked at DLF ADP and found, interestingly enough, that um, 
2018 going into the 2019 season, we were hitting at far too high of a rate um, based off historic comps. Like the players we thought were going to end up in the top 12 based on ADP did to around about the tune of 87% for wide receivers and running backs. And so it was just really easy to see that we were going to hit at a lower rate going into 2019. And we def definitely did, which also fills out some of the feelings that we've had from that year. Like running backs had this boom and everyone wanted to draft running backs higher and higher. And in fact, that's what we did. We stand drafting running backs higher and higher last off season and um, to calamity because we were never going to hit a higher rating. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Right, yeah. But also um, one of the things I found and wrote up in that article is running backs that to enter the top 12 from outside the top 24 in terms of DLF ADP are a lot more common than almost any other position jump you can see. So like tight ends drafted outside the 24, top 24 don't end up inside the top 12 or top five for tight end at a particularly high rate. And um, wide receivers do jump into the top 12 from outside the top 24 fairly often, but nowhere near as consistently as running backs turn up in the top 12 after being drafted outside the top 24. And so again, like you were saying, you just establish the idea of the value of the market by position, and then you know at least if I'm going to be searching for top 12 running backs, I may as well prospect later rather than earlier because more of them are going to increase in value on a you know on a year av yearly average, and um, to a greater extent, which is why I started like top 20. I don't want running backs who are valued as a top 24 in ADP unless I think they have top 12 upside, and most of them don't. Like I don't think at this point. And maybe we should go to sophomores. I don't know. That's what me and Tom were talking about. Like um, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, and Josh Jacobs, none of them showed me in their first year that they have top 12 upside. Anything can happen. And these are amazing athletes um, who can do amazing things. And their teams could diverge in a way that just gives them ample volume and valuable opportunity. So, yeah, maybe. But nothing I saw from 2019 suggests they have that top 12 upside. And so they're not the running backs I want, if you know what I mean. So I start prospecting for those guys outside the top 24 a lot more than I do at wide receiver. And that goes back to you, you're trying to draft guys who have already broken out. Most wide receivers who break out get drafted higher, for example. Yeah, well, that's interesting because like, I, I sort of look at the – I think the Josh Jacobs discussion is really interesting in terms of – I was like, wondering if you were going to disagree on any of those because it seems like a strong statement, but so far everyone I've said it to has been like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, really? I thought that was contrary. Oh, well. But Josh Jacobs, <laughs> you like? <laughs> um, well, so no. I, like, again, I, I think – like, just give me the fundamentals of a player. Like, let's just, let's just start with that. Sure. Guys that – come into the NFL as round one uh, as round one picks and, and hit in year one. Like that's, that's a pretty, you know, that's just a, a pretty good, that's a pretty good starting spot. And then you take in the fact that he's a, he's a, a 21 year old wide receiver or excuse me, he's a 21 year old running back and they're they highly, highly productive. And then you look at, you know, you look at guys that, that hit for running back a top 24 season as a as a first round running back, the guys that actually hit sixty three percent of them hit three or more times, um, and more than fifty percent of them hit four or more times. And so you just think about the arc of that, 
and you just you know you you're it's actually just just a little bit less than 50 i think it's 46 percent that hit um four or more times um but just the art like the density of that hit is is pretty big in terms of the type of profile that he represents so when you take a you know you're taking a top 20 you're taking a, a round one running back who is 21 years old who has already established that he can play in the nfl and honestly like he's the anti-leonard fournette in the sense of Leonard Fournette came into the season where we thought, hey, you know, he can't stay healthy um, and we don't know if he can catch passes. So he comes out and is targeted 100 times, like a ludicrous amount of targets um, and performs very you know, well in that in that role for a fantasy perspective and doesn't do it on you know if you told if you came into the season and told me hey leonard fournette is going to finish with like less than you know six touchdowns rushing how are you going to feel about that well i'm like all right another dead season right like there's no way that you would think that <laughs> that he would finish uh as a top 12 guy without putting up double digit touchdowns um and so we didn't know that he could do that we didn't know that he that he sort of had that in his uh, – I was as bullish on Leonard Fournette as anyone you'll find, and I would have n- never predicted over 75 targets, let alone 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the flip side of that is true for Jacobs, which is coming into the NFL, if there's anything that he did that we knew that he did really well, it was catching the ball at Alabama, right? That's That was sort of the narrative on him coming in, and he's essentially not thrown to at all. And is used as a as basically a between the tackles uh, running back, and that's he's really good at it too. To be fair, yeah. And so you think, okay, well, he's so he now we we in two different parts we have both things being true, and the question is, is does he do they use him in a way that puts them together? Um, and so in even if they don't, right, even if he's never, for some reason, whatever the reason is, whether it's Derek Carr not looking at him, there's this really great video, uh, I think it was on Twitter, that there, you know, Josh Jacobs was jumping up and down in the flat. Like, I'm not kidding, jumping up and down in the flat, waving his arms at, at Derek Carr, and Derek Carr never looked at him, right? Like, yeah. this is a guy that was a, that was on the field as a receiving back in Alabama, right? And so I, I think there's room for him to grow in terms of that role. So I think that like uh, he represents a really, really valuable profile for someone that it looks at a long-term density. And I think that has room to grow in terms of his upside. That's a really good point. I went at it backwards there. Jacob's receiving ability was established in college, which actually reminds me more of like Aaron Jones, who was used, yeah. it was underused in the passing game over Jamal Williams when that was the opposite of the rookie profiles. And we just kept assuming, hoping that Aaron Jones would pick that up. He still really hasn't. He just got a remarkable number of touchdowns. (laughs) So I know what's going on with that. Um, I do think on average, on the average, which is always terrible in an individual situation, obviously, but um, like it's better to think of running back usage as something that's a coaching decision and the the team just doesn't want to seem to use them that way. Then you kind of have to believe them at a certain point. But, you know, some players like, frankly, Josh Jacobs or Aaron Jones uh, uh, have an abundance of skill. So you kind of should expect them to just pop out some weird extra way. And that's fair. I, I can come around on Josh Jacobs a little bit there. Um, I definitely want you to talk about your book for a little while. 
if you've listened to fantasy football podcast, you've probably heard Jordan talk about his book already <laughs> because he's been on all the ones I listen to and for good reason. Now, let me be real clear here. I think anyone complaining about it or not buying it is probably just jealous. And the reason I know that is because I'm insanely jealous of the idea and the work he put into. Like I, like I wanted not to like it because like, that's what I do. And I should have <laughs> thought of it. And I actually did like, I, I got so insanely jealous over here. I hate Jordan very clear but it does take an immense amount of work i spend way too much i have way too much fun talking to people online about fantasy football instead of working on content for fantasy football um and so the amount of work i happen to know that goes into a book is not just having the idea so like while i am insanely jealous and i hope you will join me in hating the fact that jordan had it at the end of the day much like with players on fantasy teams like one of the things i've been thinking lately is i want people to take a look at his books realize the value of it because if people do that they realize the value of the type of stuff that we do like jordan's book being successful would help me out or help us out as an industry because people realize the value of what it has and, and realize the importance of content so i wanted to thank you for it and also ask if you could tell us more about it and where we can find it and stuff like that yeah so uh it's been a it's been a fun project it's been actually it all start, it's funny it all started as a DFS research project. Uh, and naturally, it came back to what I've always loved, which is Dynasty. Uh, and so, yeah, the first book I wrote in 2009, I released in 2019, that was a, it was a basically a Dynasty, you know, the entire Dynasty experience. And it went through startup drafts, rookie drafts, uh, you know, trading, the whole, you know, team building, um, different strategy ideas, the whole, the whole nine. It was, it was a, basically the 100 level of dynasty not that there weren't stuff that you know anyone can take from it um but it was meant for to uh, i was going to write one book it was going to be about dynasty at large and uh that was going to be it then i started <laughs> publicizing it and had all these interesting conversations and that all went great and i had a bunch of strategy sessions and then questions came up and people asked things that whether it was i didn't think of or I, it was a different way to think of what i what i had thought of or and honestly uh, the reason i really wrote it was because there was superflex data and when i wrote the first book there wasn't enough superflex data to really do analysis and i said all right well you know rotoviz has some superflex data now going back to 2014 they didn't at the time uh so i can use that and it's not a ton right and there's probably some flaws in some of the data in terms of just the sample size isn't that great um but it's new and we have to try and make some determinations so i said let's let me write let me dive into this and see uh and so i did a ton of that uh on superflex and i looked at like i said i looked at a lot of base rates and i looked at i wanted to know sort of the the arc of players and sort of what what to look for in players what what type of trends we can look at when debates are flying around and it can be disorienting give me some something concrete and sort of what to look for in hit rates and what type of players to look for and avoid and those sorts of things um and then i i got into <laughs> i went geeky and i got into uh doing simulations and i was really really interested in just saying if we knew nothing right if we know nothing else other than just take some stuff at random what are different and more efficient ways to build rosters? And then, because you know, the, the the market's generally pretty efficient uh, when you look at the rounds uh, and, and sort of the rates at which players produce at rounds, it's generally pretty efficient. Uh, but what type of roster construction can you put together that's different? 
you know, how can you differentiate yourself? Uh, and just terms in terms of just just putting together whatever players you like, but the 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 grouping of them, the amount of them. And I think that there's value in that. So um, and there's some things in the book, too, that aren't, you know, that that I think are commonly accepted as true that just aren't. Uh, and one of those things is that wide receivers later on in drafts retain their value better than running backs. It's simply not true. Uh, and a lot of dynasty analysis is built around that. And uh, it's just not, it's not historically accurate. Uh, and so knowing that and sort of rejecting that creates a lot of value because it, it opens you up to different opportunities uh, and, and, and different players that you wouldn't otherwise do based on the fact you're trying to capture value. Uh, and so I think that was that that type of stuff. There's a lot of that stuff in there. There's a lot of different ways to look at quarterbacks, I think, that are important to um, consider in terms of super flex, in terms of how to hit on them as well. So, yeah, the, that's the book. You can find it at analyticsdynasty.com slash shop. The 2020 edition is on sale. So the new book is on sale for $30 now. Um, you can get the 2019 edition still. It's up there. It's, it's all still evergreen content. Uh, it's just a little bit different of a focus that's on sale for 20 bucks. And I do have my Patreon, um, podcast channel that, um, I, because I'm quarantined in my house, uh, <laughs> I, I have decided to release a podcast a day for, uh, the month of March. Uh, so I'm working my way through that. Um, it's when you're stuck in front of a computer all day, it's easy to <laughs> flip, uh, flip the mic on and record something. So I'm almost way too tempting actually. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's fun, honestly, like there's something new every day. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, you can find that all at patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty as well, um, for $10. And, uh, that's my, um, my dynasty patron, uh, level. You can get all of the audio content as well as my dynasty tiers, which is a different take on rankings. So you can find all that content at patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty. Thanks, Rowan. And I mean it like it's got some serious value. While you were talking on one podcast, you were talking about a QB stat that you found that you hadn't heard before that really, what's the word, tanked Baker Mayfield. I don't know what it is because it's in the book and I haven't read it yet, but like I really want to know what that is. So there's some stuff in there that may give you an edge because it's not public. It's not everyone has it. You have to go read the book. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. (laughs) That mistake has not gone away in the market. You want that piece of data. Yeah, and I was going to say, because I'm kind of in on Baker Mayfield, I see no faults. I, li- I like this player. And so, given my tendency to want to not miss more than I want to hit, like, I, I kind of need to know that. So, thanks, Jordan. Thanks for taking the time to come and talk to me. Had a really good time talking with Jordan tonight. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, hit him up on Twitter at McNamara Football. At McNamara Dynasty. McNamara Dynasty, that's it. Or me, P.A. Howdy. And that's where we live on Twitter. Uh, thanks very much, and I'll talk to you again next week. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. 
Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye, eye like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the place, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the place, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical